Composer Quest. Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your composer host here in Minneapolis, Charlie McCarran, and the goal of this show is to give you lots of new ideas and perspectives on songwriting and composing. You can find every episode at composerquest.com. Today's episode features a talented singer, songwriter, and mandola player, Nathan Elliott. He's about to release his first solo album called Universe in Me, which was produced by Grammy-nominated producer Andy Thompson. Coming up, we'll get a sneak peek of what this album is going to sound like, and we'll get to hear about Nathan's creative process behind it. If you're in Minnesota and like what you hear, Nathan's CD release show is at 8 p.m. on Friday, March 28th at the Astor Cafe here in Minneapolis. Performing with him will be Verscazzi and the Lynn O'Brien Trio. Before we get into our talk, I want to give a shout out to a special Composer Quest patron, Lori Ann Stevens. Lori is a talented novelist down in Texas who I met through a collaborative mini opera project, which I'll play a little bit of at the end of the episode. Also, if you remember the Aria quest from last year, Lori was the librettist I worked with. And just a little piece of news, our mobile home Aria is now going to be performed at Southern Methodist University on May 2nd. So, there you go. You never know what collaborations will lead to. I also wanted to point out that Lori's writing style tends to lend itself really well to music, I think. So, if you're looking for words for your music, you might want to reach out to Lori. You can find her on Twitter at Lorianne Stevens, and that's L-O-R-I-A-N-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S. So thanks again, Laurie, for becoming a patron. And if anyone else listening is interested in becoming a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash charlie. Now, let's get on to my talk with Nathan Elliott. Nate, thanks so much for coming over to the Composer Quest studio. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So your album is finished now and coming out. Mm-hmm. I got a chance to listen to that. Really liked it. Um, <laughs> I feel like I, I'm the only one who's been listening to it over and over and over, and I'm almost sick of it, but not quite yet. You know? Yeah. Ready for, I'm ready for people to go through that process. <laughs> to get sick to of it. To listen to it enough <laughs> to get sick of it. Yeah. What? Had to just touch it for a second. The mandola. Ne- needed a little um, fine motor for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so is the mandola a combination of mandolin and something ola? So or? it's it's the reason I got a mandola so I could share this information and pretend like I'm a smart person. <laughs> um, it is the viola equivalent to mandolins, right? Violin mm-hmm. is to mandolin as viola is to mandola. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I just learned that it's the same tuning as a tenor guitar, so I guess I can play tenor guitar now. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Octave up from a cello, which is really convenient and really nice. Oh, for writing cello parts? Mm-hmm. If you're yeah, or that. just jamming with a cellist is so easy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you've got all those same, you know, harmonics. Oh, yeah. Wait, there's one right here, too. There we go. 
Nice. <laughs> One song that was kind of interesting to me on your album is No Way Out. Mm-hmm. Could you kind of explain what's going on in that track? Sure. Um, it's thinking about a lot of people in my life and uh, myself included who at one point had a belief in God and what that does to you growing up and, you know, just like, oh, well, if they told me, then it, it should be true. But still having those questions that, you know, the pastor or that your parents or any of your friends can't really answer. And those questions, unfortunately, don't go away. When you ask that, you know, big scary why question, you're assuming something. You're assuming that someone had an intention to bring you here, to bring human beings here in this particular realm of the universe. There's no way out. I hope it has an element of empowerment to it. If God is love, then all my friends are heavenly. Like, that's, that's the line that I want to repeat over and over. That was the line in that song that made me really like it, too. If God is love, then all my friends are heavenly. kind of throughout your album is it's kind of like minimalist songwriting Mm -hmm. in that like the original minimalists like steve reich and they'll repeat the same phrase but change it very gradually with the production of it and yeah how did you come up with that idea to just have certain phrases just repeat over and over again Uh uh-huh that yeah that i'm glad that you're using minimalist and the right sense, because I've noticed a lot of music critics will define, you know, a, a folk trio or something like as they have a minimalist sound. It's like, well, no, you you just mean they have a minimal instrumentation. <laughs> minimalist was this whole other thing right. that you know they they built these really grand, sometimes jarring compositions from something that was just repeated over and over. Um, the main thing that bothers me with music nowadays is there's a lot of redundancy there's a lot of oh you're just going to repeat that chorus the same way you did the first time you know i'd rather have it go somewhere on top of that you know have that repetition aspect but i was thinking about this earlier today like what makes music like how how do you say that something is music as opposed to just like any other sound and i think there has to be some kind of repetition and some kind of change. I think that's really it. Give me a run. 
in the song Give Me Release, mm-hmm. like you talk about, uh, just give me repetition and I'll be comforted. Yeah. Yep. I thought that was a nice little reference. And then you just repeat that line over and over. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is cool. Yeah. That's uh, perfectly gimmicky, you know? And yeah. then we did all these harmonics, which we tried to make like these nonlinear melodies, not really predictable. We have like a repeating part that's five notes long. And then we put in a different one that had all the same notes in a different pattern. And it was it was in seven. And we just put that way in the back. And, and then every 12 beats or something like that, nine beats, we hit the floor time and the cymbal. So okay. there's a bunch of things like kind of phasing. That, that gradually like have their own independent repetition. song that I really liked is Life is an Island. Mm-hmm. Especially that whole build up towards the end. It's like you have so many of your vocal ideas yeah. getting mixed in together and kind of blended. That was a really, really fun tune to write. Interestingly enough, I wrote it on the bass, and I had this kind of like walk down riff, like put a do, or just an arpeggio, like kind of really fast. And we ended up taking that completely out by the end. Like that was the one one thing that you know had started the journey. But it's like, oh, we don't need that anymore because we had this other idea to have, you know, two drum sets. There's a lot of harmony happening. We don't really need to have busy stuff happening on the bottom. So why not just open it up? Yeah. That's really cool. Idea of just like the seed of the song eventually. Out- yeah. You, the song outgrows it. Right. But right. Just being history. Yeah. That's um, like a, I was reading a book by a film editor, Walter Murch, mm-hmm. who was talking about how when he's editing things, he does something similar sometimes where he realizes that this one scene that he thought was so essential to the movie, Mm -hmm. when you take it out, it actually makes the rest of the movie better because it's like pointing to this this thing that's kind of missing, but it's, yeah. I think he called it blue light editing because he thought of it like if there's a blue light bulb in a room, Mm -hmm. it's dominating everything. But if you take away the light bulb part but you see the rest of the room being blue yeah it's like it's not a big deal yeah right right no that's that's that interesting. makes sense no that makes perfect sense it's just like it's just the wall it's just the color mm-hmm. of the room yeah 
<laughs> Whether or not your base you part colored everything else. Yeah. Who knows? Well, it, it fueled it, but then it just found a new <laughs> alternative energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there a song you'd want to try live? Want to try live? Um, might need a little warm up. Sure. We need to throw yeah, out a, we can... a commercial break. Commercial break, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hi, kids. I'm your dairy-loving friend, Calbert. Moo! You know what I like to do when I come home from a hard day at school? Have an ice-cold glass of milk. Milk! You should drink your milk with each meal, please. Don't forget about your old pal cheese on your cereal. A tasty treat. Babies, drink the milk from mommy's teat. Milk and cookies, chocolatey chip. Bring you to school and you'll be hip. Tra-la-la-la-la. So, Nate, what song is this you're going to be playing? This is called Ever Expanding, and in parentheses, we. It's All about right. It's about the universe and, well, us as humans, how we're just getting more and more complex. Dust again, peace 
is the majority great falsetto voice man it's <laughs> awesome <laughs> thanks that's uh i think that's the high school choir nerd influence of like just really thinking those countertenors and king singers and chanticleer and well there's a couple of tala scholars just all those like ah like it's so effortless up there i didn't find that out until after high school that like oh i can do you counter tenor too. I'm not just a tenor. All right, sweet. How do you do that with your voice and falsetto range? Like keep it strong. I think it's a lot more air, and for some reason, 
I feel less tension when I can get it up here, like I'm gesturing to my forehead right now, but like if I can feel it kind of resonate in this higher, like it feels like my brain is sort of vibrating a little bit when I do that. And for some reason I can hear the pitch better and it just works out for me. So how, yeah, I, I think it's just more air. I don't really try to put much like vibrato and I don't have a lot of agility up there. Like I can't do like any vocal runs really. It's just sort of like, yeah, I can't. I can't really make it move around a lot. But if I, there's one note, it's like, okay, I got you. I can. I can do that. That's a cool sound. Oh, like, thanks. Throughout yeah. the album. Yeah, I feel yeah. like the mandola makes my voice less abrasive by being kind of abrasive. Yeah. On, uh, you know. Yeah, because if you were doing that along with like a regular guitar range, it might mm-hmm. sound like almost too high. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, you're main single that you're promoting brain mm-hmm. break yes that one <laughs> sounds really great too oh thanks uh-huh. yeah Andy made me do the high harmony on that one so <laughs> <laughs> as nice. if like the chorus isn't high enough <laughs> like a sponge be high like a sponge be high <laughs> it's super high like no you just gotta go for it I'm like alright yeah. I was doing this in the lower one he's like no I think you just gotta Gotta do that, but up an octave. It's like crap. What exactly do you do in the school? Oh, I, a... I'm an education assistant with uh, District 287. I've been there about four years. I work as uh, just kind of a helper for the teacher in a special ed classroom where, uh, with mostly students with autism. So that is just so challenging and entertaining and rewarding in so many ways. It's yeah, kind of my, my other niche, I guess. Do you ever bring music into the uh, I have classroom? in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's been that's been really fun. Yeah, that's interesting that you asked that because I thought it would be a bad idea to bring in just because there are you know lots of unpredictable behaviors and people who can't really tolerate that sort of noise. And this isn't. It can be pretty, but it can be also like really abrasive. The mandola. Um, so yeah, yeah, just teaching myself to you know, be in the background with it and have it be just something that's really, really calm and really, really predictable. What's like an example of a song you would play for your students? Oh, a song? Or instrumental stuff you do? Yeah, okay, so something I would do, you know, as they're arriving to school and we'll have like a little morning meeting, you know, but, but they have a little bit of chill time right when they get there just to sort of transition because sometimes from home to the bus to being at school is really, really stressful and we don't, we don't realize it as, you know, adults that are high-functioning, quote-unquote, but <laughs> 
So I just try to make it really, really easy. I don't know, something like you've just got two chords really, but you can make it kind of pretty and not boring, maybe. Yeah, that's cool. And they respond pretty well to that? Yeah, I mean, it's it calms me, and you're definitely aware of how empathy works, like working in this field. It, it's been really interesting for me, like knowing how your energy affects someone else you know that's right next to you like you see that really amplified working with people with special needs if you're having kind of a crappy day and even if you're not showing that on the outside they have kind of a more keen sense of that hmm. it uh, i don't know that's, that's interesting because that's, yeah, that's kind of the opposite of the stereotype of autistic yeah kids or, is yeah that yeah they... they're very they're very in tune to emotions of others yeah it's just they how they process their own emotions that's what's challenging how they like separate their emotions from other people's emotions like they can have extremely high empathy in certain points if they see someone having a hard time they they will want to help them Hmm. um any last little tidbits of wisdom you'd like to share with listeners (laughs) <laughs> Maybe people who are thinking about releasing their first solo album. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm a lay person when it comes to recording and producing and stuff like that. Like I sort of have a love-hate relationship with that. <laughs> if you understand that about yourself and you still want to make music, you got you to find people who are going to help you through that and be a good fit for you. So, yeah, I mean, I'd say hire Andy Thompson, but, I mean, if you can't afford him, just find someone who can help you get started with that because that's pretty much the main reason hindering me from doing this 10 years ago, doing a solo album. If you're good at recording, find someone who's good at writing songs. You, you can be their bassist. I don't know. Like, yeah. You, you got to find people who compliment you and always be open to collaboration. Yeah. You never know. What was it like working with your producer, Andy Thompson? Oh, Andy, Andy is brilliant. He kind of reminds me a little bit of me in that he's sort of scatterbrained when it comes to deciding what to do creatively like with a particular piece. But that's, I mean, that's great. We were able to kind of play off each other because we're like, well, what if we did this? Well, what if we did that? It wasn't ever like a, no, wait, time out. This is getting out of hand. We just kind of went with our intuitions and that was really nice. Have you ever read the book Blink? I haven't, no. Oh, you should try it out. Yeah, it's it's all about going with your first instinct because you can always you can always revisit it. You know, yeah. you want to let that first carrot lead you to another carrot, another destination. Yeah, Nate, I have one last request of you. Um, should you choose to accept this challenge, 
I ask my guests to come up with an original intro theme for their podcast episode. On the spot? Yes. Oh, dear. On the spot. <laughs> okay. Composer Quest. No, chord first. Composer Quest. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining me for this episode of Composer Quest with Nathan Elliott. For more of his music, visit NathanElliott.com. And that's Elliot with one L and one T. His album Universe and Me will be up there soon. Feel free to get in touch with me by emailing me, charlie at composerquest.com, or find ComposerQuest on Facebook or Twitter. Now it's time once again for... Back in 2012, the English National Opera started an interesting contest. The goal was to get writers, composers, and filmmakers together to make mini-operas. Writer Laurie Ann Stevens, who I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, was one of the writer finalists for her libretto, The Lingerer, based on a Neil Gaiman story. So a lot of composers set her words to music, and it was interesting hearing everyone's take on it. Mine was probably one of the least opera-sounding entries, and I'm sure one of the only ones to use an electric guitar. I recruited my friends Brett Thompson and Nicole Wilder to sing the lead parts. Aaron Tavidi sang backup harmonies and played euphonium. I played guitar, and Maya Heyman played everything else, bassoon, flute, and accordion. So I'll leave you now with a clip from The Lingerer. Six months.